0: Hello and welcome to Factually, I'm Adam Conover. Thank you so much for joining me on the show again. Hey, do you remember crypto? Just a year and a half ago, every financial publication from the Wall Street Journal to Bloomberg was saying it was the future of finance. Valuations were going to the moon. People were selling monkey JPEGs for millions, and billions of dollars were flowing into this obviously sketchy space from big money institutions, venture capitalists, and everyday Redditors hyped up on the promise of ever-increasing returns. It was supposed to be the future of finance, and now it's a smoking crater of fucking failure. Sam Bankman-Fried, the supposedly genius crypto wunderkind, is going to jail for a long time. And trillions of dollars were lost in the year after crypto peaked in late 2021. And most importantly, no one is currently using crypto for anything other than scams and crime. The most dire predictions for this bullshit sector turned out to be the correct ones. But even though all of this just happened like a year ago, we've already memory holed the whole thing. People forget that during the fever crypto pitch, average Americans were frothing over the chance to make money in this brand new way. When 14 year olds were playing around with cartoon JPEGs that were supposedly worth millions, when people seemed absolutely detached from the value of their magic coins. Today, there's no question that that magic has run out. But what was it like in the middle of the shitstorm of crypto at its very peak? Well, Our guest today is going to offer an unbelievable and incredibly funny view of what it looked like. But before we get to that, I just want to remind you that if you want to support this show, you can do so on Patreon, not with your crypto magic beans, but with your regular old money. Just five bucks a month gets you every episode of this podcast ad free. We also have a huge number of wonderful community features. We'd love to have you there. And just to remind you, I am also a touring stand up comedian. If you live in St. Louis, Missouri, or Providence, Rhode Island, Come see me. I'm doing tour shows there in October. Head to adamconover.net for tour dates and tickets. And now let's get to this week's guest. His name is Zeke Fox, and he's an investigative reporter at Bloomberg Businessweek. And he is the author of a new book called Number Go Up, Inside Crypto's Wild Rise and Staggering Fall. He spent the crypto years deep inside the belly of the beast and has tales to tell that no one else knows. And I am so excited for you to hear this interview. Let's get to my conversation with Zeke Fox. Zeke, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Adam. So I I think it's kind of hard for us to appreciate here in 2023, just how massive the cryptomania was at its height. It was a moment where a lot of people like myself were saying, this seems like a crazy bubble, but a lot of people were just completely swept up in it. You were in the middle of it. How big was this bubble and what did it look like to you from the inside? What were you seeing?
1: So... I was kind of an outsider too, always skeptical of crypto, but for during the pandemic, it got to be inescapable. Like, I just felt like I was always hearing about like DeFi, the metaverse, blockchain, Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever. And most annoyingly, one of my best friends started texting me about something that he called doggy coin and telling me like, <laughs> I should get some of this doggy coin. And...
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> little, little did he know he was pronouncing the stupid name of the stupid thing in the wrong stupid way. It's not doggy, co- doggy coin, it's Dogecoin, which is just a completely different dumbass way to say that word.
1: Yeah, and I, I set him straight, but he didn't care. He was just like, This, and it's not like, you know, it, and I felt like this was a very telling conversation. And I've talked with so many people who've had conversations like this, but he was just saying, Hey, it's not that I think doggy coin is the future of finance or you know that I think it's like really good for anything. It's just that I can see people talking about it on Reddit and I want to get in on it. And he did. I didn't. I told him it was dumb. He made like 20 grand and sent me pictures from a Disney vacation with his family and texted me. I am freaking Nostradamus, you know, if I, so.
0: I think a lot of people had that experience where your dumbest friend suddenly made some money and you're like, oh, hold on a second. I got to get in on this too. But, but that's what happened to a lot of people, why a lot of people jumped on the crypto bandwagon before it all fell apart and everybody lost their money. But you are different from most people because you are a financial investigative journalist. So most people maybe just go along with it. You, I, I hope ask some deeper questions when you heard about that, when you got that text from your friend.
1: Yeah. I mean, so it's my job to investigate weird things in finance. And I'd kind of like, I'd resisted crypto as, as a topic. And I just felt like what was there to investigate? You know, these people are just saying, oh, buy my coin. Uh, It's going to the moon. And then it was going up. I felt kind of like, if I went to go investigate crypto, it'd be sort of like the New York Times sending their snooty restaurant reviewer to go check out like a new Taco Bell in Union Square. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, of course, he's not going to like it. Um, and I, I, I should um, I don't want to malign my my Dogecoin friend. He's actually a very smart and funny guy. And that is what really set me off about this, because I was like, even he is now saying, buy Dogecoin. And I'm uh-huh. like, why are so many people doing this? And like some estimates, it's like a quarter of the population got some crypto. Mm. So I, was, I got over my hesitation, decided to try to get to the bottom of it, to dive into this crypto world and try and figure out why is it so appealing to everyone? Why are all these coins going up and up? Who are these people who are behind it and turning themselves into like overnight billionaires? Um, and I found that, you know, two years later, cut to I'm at Sam Bankman frieds apartment, the, you know, boy genius of crypto after his exchange had failed. And huh. we're, you know, up in his $30 million penthouse talking about why he his very unconvincing excuses about how he had not committed a giant fraud. The biggest Uh, financial fraud
0: in United States history, I believe.
1: Probably depends how you measure it, but he's definitely like in the hall of fame. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And as are so many other, uh, you know, of the uh, crypto billionaires from around that time, but Sam Bankman Fried is unusual because he was the only one who was on the cover of magazines was lauded as the, the one smart, safe guy in crypto, the, the one who everybody could trust. And it turned out that, he had committed this, this gigantic fraud. Um, well, what did you find, though, when you, when you started looking at it? Like, what was the first thing that stunned you when you started jumping into this in an investigative way?
1: So even though I was skeptical of crypto, I still kind of thought that you just heard so much about it. So many like, seemingly smart people, well-informed people, Wall Street people were getting in on it, that I had this idea that it was maybe... Kind of going mainstream, and that there Mm -hmm. would be like legitimate uses for crypto. That even though I didn't really think, you know, it was all going to the moon, I'd hear about like promising startups that were going to somehow change the way we traded assets or move money around instead. So, luckily, when I started my investigation, it was just after that, there was the first big crypto conference in years. It was Bitcoin 2021 in Miami. There were like 10,000 crypto fans flew in for it. And I get there and instead of like respectable Wall Street types talking about, uh, you know, real ideas, it was like a bunch of maniacs talking about like (laughs) how uh, how Bitcoin was going to save the world. Yeah. Uh, There was one speaker. um, He has written like several books about Bitcoin and what have, they, they all are very against fiat money, which is what yeah. they just call, what they call regular money. They have to like give it like a pejorative title. It's fiat, he, uh, yeah. He, yeah, ooh. No, and they'll just like, you know, rip it up, set it on fire just to, they really like to show they don't like fiat money. But he blames it for everything from like poverty to malnutrition. Um, I was just hearing he calls uh, grain fiat food. Um, and, yeah, It's fake food the
0: government made up. They just yeah, invented well, grain. What the fuck is that?
1: <laughs> there's like a little, there's this weird overlap where the people who really like Bitcoin also like beef. Some of them just like only eat beef. Oh, okay. Oh,
0: um, like the Jordan yeah, Peterson like, diet. Like I'm going to eat nothing but meat until I get addicted to oxy and, and sweat my blood out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, sorry, you, know, you can, you can move on. Fit. You don't need
0: to comment on that part of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of them look very fit. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the way to go. Um, okay. But, um. So I'm in this like alternate reality where uh, I'm hearing all sorts of crazy conspiracy theories, and where it seems like people really do believe that the prices of all these coins are just going to go up and up and up. Yeah. And make us all rich. And so the quality of the ideas is like really low. But then the people that I meet are insanely rich. Like there's way more real money in this than I had realized. One of the first guys that I met, his name was Alex Mashinsky. Mm -hmm. And he wore this t-shirt that said, banks are not your friends. And I didn't really know that much about him when when I set up this meeting, but he was very prominent at all these conferences. And so as a reporter, I meet somebody, I'm pretty polite. Like I'll ask them, Hey, what do you do to give me like your spiel for the company? And so he tells me, I run like this sort of thing. That's a little like a bank, but it's not a bank. You give me your coins and I pay you interest as high as 18%. But if you want a loan, I don't charge any interest. And so like, if you don't know banking, like that's like a backwards business plan. Like you're paying people lots of money and you're not collecting any money. So it's like a recipe to like lose money.
0: Well, if if I was told this, I'd be like, Oh, you're literally like, this is literally a Ponzi scheme. This is like, I'd be just 18% interest uh, is like, uh, uh, is like Bernie Madoff numbers. You know, I was like, well, that's impossible. That's impossible. So I don't believe it. Yeah.
1: It's like slightly above Bernie Madoff's, Big returns. So I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm, you know, like I'm being polite. So I'm like, all right. But I'm thinking to myself, this is one of the worst business plans I've ever heard. So I'm like, so Alex, how much money have you raised with this, uh, you know, for Celsius, your business? And he sells me $20 billion. And wow. I'm just like, wow. Yeah, I had this. I'm like, I am. Am I sitting across from like, the next Bernie Madoff? Like, what is this ridiculous business plan? Yeah. And you know, he couldn't explain how they made the money to pay these interest rates. Um sounds and, like he made the
0: money from the $20 billion. Sounds like he was taking <laughs> like that's where that's where it was coming from. But like, how does he then make more money? That was what was completely unclear.
1: Yeah. Well, spoiler alert, he got arrested a few weeks ago <laughs> and is facing like massive fraud charges. Um, that- <laughs> so when
0: you when you're sitting across from this guy, are you like, man, I see like uh, a jumpsuit in your future? Like, uh, uh, you know, were you were you feeling this this dude is is gonna crash and burn and get arrested?
1: Well, like, kind of yes, but also I'm not that confident a person. I'm not like so sure. I always know what's going on, mm-hmm. so I'm just like, is there something I'm missing? Because this wasn't the only person I met who had some sort of crazy idea and also had billions of dollars and. As like a financial reporter, I don't know. Maybe I, I give maybe more credence than I should to people's financial success. So I'm thinking, I don't know if he's been able to attract all this money, and not just from random retirees—definitely a lot of those—but also from you know big name Wall Street investors. I'm like, they must have checked him out. Can there really be nothing to this? Um, I just, I just wasn't sure what to make of it. But when I got back to New York. I told my editor that, you know, I'm sorry. I ever resisted writing about crypto. This is full of like <laughs> your
0: crypto, your, your, your editor's just sitting there counting bitcoins going like, yeah, you are sorry. Uh huh. Yeah. You came crawling back.
1: Um, I told him we will not be able to investigate all of these people before this bubble explodes. Like there's wow. so many funny stories here.
0: You're like, at first you're like, there's no stories. You go to one conference, you're like, oh shit, this could keep me in business for a lifetime. I gotta yeah. cover this before it explodes. Let, l- let me just ask you this. Like, I feel like we have this belief generally that the people who are running the economy, the people with with all the biggest money are are geniuses. And a lot of us, when we see that, okay, this guy got $20 billion. Well, those smart people with the money must have really checked them out, like you said. Um, I, I think one of the things that the crypto collapse showed to us is that they don't, and that they are as stupid as anybody else. At the very least, they only have the same number of hours in the day as anybody else. Do you end? Did you end up like, uh, you know, with a similar revelation? Does did it look like that to you, or do you think that some smart people really got you know the the wool pulled over their eyes?
1: No, I feel like well, so the title of the book number goes up or number go up comes from something I heard at this conference that I think really says a lot about the mentality at the time. And this guy on stage gives this speech where he says, he calls it number go up technology. And Mm -hmm. he says that essentially as the price goes up, that will make people excited. More people will buy Bitcoin. That will make the price go up even more. And that will make people even more excited. And it'll become like a self fulfilling prophecy and the price of Bitcoin will go up and up and up. And I kept telling myself that can't possibly be what the smart people are thinking. But I think actually it was in the case of a lot of these coins, but also in the case of a startup like Celsius or FTX, the smart people felt the same FOMO that I did when my friend got uh, the, his big Dogecoin score and they mm-hmm. thought... You know, let's, let's, we're investing into FTX, this Sam Bakeman Fried's exchange at a $10 billion valuation. And it's not so much because they've checked it out and they think that that valuation is really solid. It's more like they can see how hot it is and they think it's going to be a $20 billion valuation in a couple months. And for like two years there, everyone who thought this way was right. And a lot of them made a lot of money.
0: Yeah. But yeah that that number go up philosophy I mean to me it almost literally sounds like a pyramid scheme because the problem is with that idea oh more people get excited they put in more money more people get excited they put in more money eventually you run out of people right like like there is uh, that's the problem with that with that kind of thinking is like well there's the, there is in fact a limited number of suckers out there is that is it not like it seems it's not infinite
1: Yeah yes I mean this guy He's calling it number up go up technology and he's describing a pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. Like it was just ridiculous. Um,
0: but the, the FOMO that you describe though is a really powerful emotion. I remember, you know, when I used to work at College Humor, it was a website, so people were pretty, you know, up on, on the internet. I worked at a website, so people were pretty <laughs> hip to the internet, okay? But this is, like in, this is like in 2013, around the very beginning of Bitcoin. And I remember a lot of talk about it in the office. And one or two people bought Bitcoins. This was like way before the boom. Um, It was when it was just getting started. Um, A couple of people bought Bitcoins and Dogecoins. And I remember thinking at the time, oh, the reason they're doing it is they don't want to get left out. And they're like, you know what? If I just buy a bit, if I just buy one or just a couple, whatever it is, you know, if I just put a thousand bucks on it or five thousand bucks on it, then I won't get left behind. I won't feel like I missed out. And if I lose it, it, it will be okay. And I remember consciously thinking at the time, you know what? I'm going to make the opposite bet. I'm going to make the bet that this is bullshit and I'm not <laughs> going to buy one. <laughs> and, and it's funny because if you asked us at different points, which one of us felt like we were right, me or the guy I worked with, we would have had different answers right around 20, around 20, you know, nineteen twenty twenty, he would have said, Oh yeah, I'm really happy. I bought that. I made a great return. I would have been like, Oh yeah, maybe I was wrong. Um, but now I'm like, I, I made more money with that shit in the bank, you know? Uh uh th- based on what would have what would have happened. Um and, and so that like uh that FOMO feeling though really motivated so many people. It's shocking to hear it and motivated institutional investors as well.
1: Oh, it definitely did. I mean, on Wall Street, let's say, I mean, think about their incentives this way too. Like let's say you run a hedge fund and you're kind of skeptical of crypto, but you another guy has a hedge fund and he bought some Bitcoin his returns are looking great. He's getting lots of new clients. Your clients are asking you, why are your returns so bad? And isn't it kind of tempting to just maybe buy some Bitcoin, even if you don't really believe in it, to try to juice your profits and right. attract more clients? So you
0: started diving into this really, you know, you, 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 I gotta cover these stories, right? These crazy stories that are out there before this pops. Uh, What did you go after first or what was the craziest story you discovered?
1: So the one that the mystery that set me off on this journey was a coin called Tether. It's like the one coin that doesn't go up and up. It's supposed to be always worth a dollar because it can be exchanged for a real dollar. So like you give Tether 100 bucks, they give you 100 Tether tokens and they're supposed to stash that 100 bucks in the bank. And when I was starting out, they'd sold so many Tether tokens that they were supposed to have $50 billion in the bank. That would make them like one of the biggest banks in the US if they Mm -hmm. were a bank in the US. But nobody knew where this money was. And (laughs) there were like all sorts of rumors flying around that maybe the money didn't exist. And the concern about Tether was so great that the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, called a meeting of all the top financial regulators in the country. They were talking about, like, what is this coin? Does it really have the money? And could it crash the world economy if it was revealed to be a fraud? The world
0: economy? Wait, I'm sorry. Why would they be concerned that this could crash the world economy? It's just some dudes with, you know, a website and some algorithms.
1: So the thinking was that the risk was greater because of the connection to real money. And uh-huh. then if there was like a bank run on Tether, and everyone wanted to redeem their tokens for real money, then Tether would have to dump all sorts of assets that it held and it would dump them at low prices. And then that would sort of cascade into financial markets. Other funds would be seeing their assets marked down and there might be a run on those funds too. Kind of like happened in the 2008 financial crisis with money market funds. Um, Mm. To me, this sounded far-fetched, but what I thought was really silly was, sort of like you're saying, I started looking into Tether, and its co-founder was a former child actor from The Mighty Ducks named Brock Pierce. And uh,
0: (laughs) I saw that movie.
1: (laughs) So... He he's not one of the main kids. Okay, he plays he plays Gordon Bombay in the flashback at the beginning, okay. and he misses the he misses the crucial penalty shot.
0: Oh and no!
1: Yeah, haunts him. So, oh, and so
0: this so this child actor's been trying to make up for for this bad moment his entire life.
1: Yeah, and he the he had become by the time I started looking into it, like one of the the biggest players in crypto. Wow, and I'm just like. The rest of the company was just as weird. The boss was a former plastic surgeon from Milan turned low-end electronics importer. Um, the company wasn't really based anywhere. You couldn't tell where it was. This, the heads of the company were never seen in public. They never gave speeches or interviews. And I'm just like, ah, this is a great mystery. I want to get to the bottom of these of it. Um, I caught up... So one fun part was I, this guy uh Pierce you know he's uh he's quite a character I caught up with him in the Bahamas I was down there for a crypto conference I realized he was in town when um I met with a friend of mine and she was telling me that she was really hungover and she was just like oh last night I was at this crazy party on this yacht like this crypto guy bought from this russian oligarch and like it was wild people were doing like big business deals in like one room and uh partying like next to it and she showed me this video of of a guy jumping off this like giant yacht and i've recognized i'd been wanting to meet up with brock for a long time by then so i recognized him texted him he uh i don't know have you spent much time on on yachts
0: no i've never been on a a yacht yacht not 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 yet. I mean, I hope one day.
1: Yeah. Well, I me me neither. So I'm like, score. I'm gonna do this interview on a yacht. So he sends a speedboat to my hotel to take me to where this like giant yacht is moored offshore. And I'm thinking, this is awesome. This is gonna be like something out of a Bond movie. I'm gonna meet the (laughs) co-founder of Tether. Maybe he's gonna tell me some secrets. I'm gonna see like the coolest yacht ever.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I get
1: there. I get there and it's just like, this is a recurring theme in crypto, but I get there and it's just like, uh, I don't know, a couple dozen people kind of standing around looking kind of <laughs> bored. They're talking about uh, one guy. They start to, they're Are they talking on a real about yacht? Skin.
0: Is it an actual yacht?
1: So it was huge. It was like the biggest boat I've ever been on. But then I start getting pitched on like, do you want a tour of the yacht? And I don't see Brock at first, but I realize it's kind of like a yacht timeshare. It's like a crypto yacht timeshare, <laughs> and they're trying to get us to like buy some coins so that it, we can spend time on this yacht. Um, <laughs> the yacht,
0: the yacht itself is a, is a is yeah. a crypto scam. You got to get yeah. in on this yacht, yacht, bro. Number go up, sale go up.
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, so the, we <laughs> go on. we we come across we come across Brock and. I mean, look. You look for good characters to write about, and he yeah. definitely is one. He's dressed like Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh my god! He's got like this fedora with feathers in it. Of, he's a maybe like five five. He's got a he's wear he's shirtless with a leather vest that's kind of like knee length, um, uh. <laughs> and he's just talking. He's giving like a speech. <laughs> he, yeah. Um, but, and he's a great talker. He talks like a total riddles. And he's giving a speech about how we're like, this is the future of, of humanity. This is the Avengers. We're on like the Avengers yacht. And I'm like, I think I just heard the timeshare presentation, but, but okay. <laughs> um, This was just one of like the many weird stops in trying to find this tether, get to the bottom of this tether mystery, which proved like very tricky. And Brock... I explained like what I was trying to do to Brock and we had this very intense conversation. And I felt like, um, I have a habit of kind of like daydreaming when I'm talking to people, especially if they're telling me like long pitches for the crypto thing. Um, and he, he's talking to me and he's, he starts to like, I feel like he's looking into my soul and he's like, Zeke, this is like your one shot. This is your one opportunity. Like, don't screw this up. This is all for all the marbles. Like, humanity's fate is in the balance. And like,
0: <laughs> in a fedora and a knee-length leather vest, he's yeah. telling he's he's talking to you like he's fucking uh, uh, what Samuel L. Jackson and the Avengers. You have to you have to get on board. The what does he want you to do? Put money in. Like, you're reporting on him.
1: I think his concern was that I would not be sufficiently pro crypto in my reporting. Ah. I needed to, I needed to see the truth. Um, but he, it seems
0: like you were seeing the truth. (laughs) It seems (laughs) like you were seeing the truth of the short guy in the leather vest, uh, you know, on Molly in the middle of a rented boat.
1: (laughs) And I mean, the other guys on the yacht were talking about, you know, scams that people they saw, you know, sitting around, were running one guy's like, where are we gonna get some coke when we go back to you know my hotel on shore? Like, yeah, these, these are, are not, not they, serious these, people. These are not titans
0: of industry. Yeah, these are not serious people,
1: <laughs> but they have like serious money.
0: Yeah. So why, uh, uh, why would anybody believe this guy? Like, I like Tether. I remember when it collapsed was like it was one of the first big crypto collapses. It was covered in in Bloomberg every day. People must have ac- been actually invested in it. But this guy is ludicrous, and the whole premise—like, if the whole company is premised on they have fifty billion dollars nobody has ever seen, and it's all fly by night—like, why is anybody buying it?
1: So the crazy thing is, that's the question I was asking. And Tether actually did not collapse. You're probably oh. thinking of uh, of Terra, the similarly ah, named. I yeah. am thinking
0: of Terra. Okay, thank you.
1: Um. Yeah. So Terra. Not to be confused with Tether, was also a coin that was supposed to be worth one dollar. And okay. this one, instead of being backed by real money, was backed by another made up coin called Luna. Uh, <laughs> right. and this had it had like a very nonsensical promise that was, um, if you traded in your te- your Terra coin, you would get one dollar worth of Luna coins for sure, but then. Nobody really stopped to ask, like, but why are the Luna coins worth anything? And so, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, it's like if I'm like, hey man, I got a, a, you know, lend me some money, I'll give you some Atom bucks, and you're like, well, what what can I get for an Atom buck? And I'm like, oh, well, you can get a Monopoly buck from me, <laughs> and like, okay, right. okay, it makes me feel better, but no one says, well, what what can I do with that other with that other fake buck?
1: And but the thing that's so wild is that first of all these like Luna bucks were going up and up and up for a while for, they were worth like 60, $90 each. And the guy, it was, this Terra one was run by this really obnoxious South Korean bro. And if you asked anything, but anybody who raised questions about this scheme, he just, uh, he hit him with like the go-to crypto insult, have fun staying poor, you know, something like that. Um, But meanwhile, he, This one, Terra was like almost openly a Ponzi scheme, and it raised huge amounts of money from big time investors. And there's a funny story. There's one guy, uh, Mike Novogratz. He's former Goldman Sachs. He started a crypto company called Galaxy, regarded as like one of the sharper and more mainstream guys in the crypto world.
0: People are like he, he's not wearing a fedora and a leather vest so we're, we he's not that big of an idiot. He's still dumb, but he's <laughs> not fedora leather vest dumb. Okay, go on, please. Well,
1: yeah, not so fast because Okay. He got uh he got so into into Terra that he got the Terra Luna logo tattooed on his shoulder and tweeted it. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> he And got- he's like he
0: I'm like, yeah, man, I got Bernie Madoff's face right on my ass. Check it out. That's how much I love the guy. You know you got taken in by a scam when you get the scammer tattooed on your fucking body, bro.
1: That sucks. He's like pushing 62. He must be. Oh, God. God. So. I
0: Uh, just gets it like x'd out and replaced with mom could you make it say i gotta i gotta marry a girl named Therese so i can get it changed that sucks that sucks for this guy
1: um but still sitting pretty despite his tara losses that is the kind of thing the lesson of crypto is that if you're like in the inner circle and you get in really really early you can still make money but by the time like you or me if by the time we're hearing about it on the group chat, like it's too late. We're the suckers at the, at the table, you know, right. when we buy in, it's about to crash.
0: I mean, look, it's, it's almost a cliche to call these a Ponzi scheme, but that is how they work. The, per, the people at the beginning make the money cause they're in on the scam, but it depends on wider and wider numbers of the public putting their own money in. That is how the people in the center of the web make the money. And so by definition, if you're the one putting money in, you are late. You know what I mean? You're 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 adding gasoline to the fire. Uh you're you're having you are you are making the rest of the machine go with your energy. You're not going to profit off
1: of it. Yeah, the way to profit is to create those atom bucks, get that going. Oh yeah. You don't want to buy like somebody else's coin.
0: Yeah. And that's why we saw this incredible entrepreneurial energy of people creating coins, people creating (laughs) NFTs. Oh, by the way, I know you at one point bought a bored ape, but before we get into that, we got to take a really quick break. We'll be right back with more Zeke Fox. As a factually listener, you're probably aware of my unwavering commitment to online privacy. Well, delete me has been an indispensable tool for me for many years, long before they even started advertising on this show. I've been using their wonderful service. In today's digital landscape, you know, it's alarmingly easy for data brokers to traffic your personal information online. In fact, I would almost guarantee that your personal information is on multiple data broker sites on the internet right now. It's not even the dark web, it's the regular web. These data brokers may be peddling and exchanging your name, phone number, and home address all without your knowledge, and trying to locate and remove all this data yourself can feel like an impossible task because there can be dozens of these sites but that is what delete me does for you delete me's team of experts scours the depths and the breadth of the internet to locate and remove your personal data within just seven days you'll receive a comprehensive report detailing their findings and what they have removed it can be hard to believe that experts are hunting down and removing your personal information every three months, then check out Delete Me. Go to joindeletemecom Adam and get 20% off for all consumer plans with the code Adam. That's joindeletemecom Adam. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Okay, we're back with Zeke Fox. Uh, You were more in the middle of the crypto explosion than anyone. Um, And specifically, I know that you ended up buying a bored ape, one of the stupidest parts of the entire crypto hype bubble. Tell me about that. What, how did you end up happen, uh, happening across the board, Ape, and what, what the hell did you do with it?
1: So crypto people would always tease me that I didn't know what I was talking about because I didn't do crypto. And one guy was trying to get me to buy something called a Solana Monkey Business NFT for $25,500. It was like a little... Pixelated monkey head. And
0: dude, until you uh, have a Solana monk, monkey business NFT, you do not know what you're talking about. That is the only credential I respect. Okay.
1: Like exactly what he said. And, <laughs> but I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Like maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe if I joined the club and kind of went with it, I would see some sort of appeal to this stuff that wasn't apparent to me right. as an outsider. But I could, I knew enough that Solana monkey business was just a knockoff of the real top NFT collection, the Bored Ape Yacht Club. And this is the one like you may have seen on Jimmy Kimmel, I mean, on Jimmy Fallon. He Get, the G- Get the Jimmy's
0: right, okay? It's very, really important that we are clear <laughs> about which Jimmy fell for this shit. Go on.
1: <laughs> so he had he had Paris Hilton on and with like totally straight faces, they each pulled out pictures of their... Bored apes. And these are, like, really ugly cartoon monkeys that they supposedly had each paid $300,000, $400,000 for.
0: Yeah, and he's like, he's like, oh, this is so cool. We're both part of the same club. Like, here's your ape, here's mine. Oh, and she's like, yeah, mine's really cute. He's like, yeah, mine is, like, really cool. And it's like, what the fuck are they talking about? But they did this on (laughs) national television.
1: I mean, I, I really, I couldn't believe it. And I saw that the apes were having... Ape Fest, which was gonna be like a week long party in Manhattan, and you could only go if you had a bored ape. And I thought to myself, whoever reads this book, they don't wanna hear some like excuse like, oh, the bored apes are really expensive. They want me to try this out. They want me to go to the Ape Fest. Yes, we do.
0: You know what the audience demands, and I'm glad to hear it. This is wonderful. So you bought a bored
1: ape. Well, I learned that luckily you could get into the party with a mutant ape, which is like an ape derivative. The ape like okay. slurped like this juice and it turns them radioactive and they melt. So it's like a lot uglier. And the... <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. But also everything you're describing is also a complicated financial product, right? <laughs> like oh, yeah. it's a Don't it's a piece of digital that. currency that you applied some other piece of digital currency to. And that's what it means for the ape to slurp juice and become a mutant.
1: <laughs> so... One night after dinner, I told my wife, Nikki, that I had something important to discuss about the book. I'm <laughs> and...
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. Sit down. I, I ha- we had to discuss something very serious. As you know, I'm writing a book. I need to purchase a, an ugly ape cartoon and make it slurp juice so that I can go to a party of other people who bought, who bought slurped apes. <laughs> This, okay. Uh, yes. And are you still together?
1: Uh, we are very, very happily married. Because unbelievable, she was super supportive. I mean, she looked very unhappy when I told her it was going to be forty thousand dollars. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I know you really had your heart set on Alexis. But you know what? Can you can you drive the uh, ninety two Corolla a little bit longer? Because uh, Daddy's going to have a monkey drawing.
1: Yeah, it's a twenty fifteen Town and Country, and oh, I love okay. it. Okay. But uh, yeah. The so by the time I actually bought it, the price had dropped to it had been a couple of weeks before I got around to it, and the price dropped to twenty thousand dollars. And this was cool because I didn't want to spend forty thousand dollars, but it was also <laughs> but there's also like it's also bad because it shows you that the price could drop really fast. Right, right, um, right. You're like,
0: 20,000 like, is as low as it's going to go. I, I think I'll be fine.
1: So the process to buy it, truly, you cannot, it actually, like the guy had told me I didn't know crypto until I tried it. And he was right because it was so horrible to buy this ape. Like, so, like, you know, I work for uh, a, co- a website too. Like, I've, I know I'm on the computer all day. I'm doing stuff on the computer. But like the actual process of sending my money into crypto land to buy this ape was was truly horrifying. Um, it turns out that I mean you've probably heard of like a crypto wallet. Yes. And it turns out like what that means is in your Chrome on your browser like you got where the URL goes. Then maybe you have a little like red hand for the ad block. Yeah. Now what if I? How would you like another icon that's a picture of a fox? And your money's gonna live (laughs) in this fox.
0: And this is honestly one of the reasons I did not get into crypto because (laughs) I was like, I knew you could like you know store it on your computer or whatever crypto wallet. The first time I heard about crypto, I was like, hey, this is kind of a cool idea, digital currency. You know, Uh, I like uh, cryptographically secured, neat. And then I was like, I need to download a Chrome extension. Like literally, this tens of thousands of dollars live not even in like a web app or like a, a native Mac app. A fucking chrome extension I don't trust yeah. my money to a chrome extension give me a fucking well, break
1: and it it did not make me feel any better when before you install the foxhead chrome extension you have to watch a video in which they tell you that you should write you should engrave your password to this chrome extension on a piece of metal and bury it in your backyard <laughs> and like <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, you don't want to be one of those poor poor fools who has, you know, $2 million in crypto on a hard drive that they forgot the password to. Those people are, are you know, you've read those articles. Those people are in hell, you know, or the yeah. ones who are trying to drink the, dig the hard drive out of the, out of the dump or whatever. Awful.
1: But I also didn't, I didn't want to be like uh, Seth Green, the actor who had his board ape stolen and had to buy it back for like 300 grand. Right, um, right. I was hearing all these stories about how my ape was going to get stolen. And I mean, one of the worst parts—you buy the ape, it's supposed to go live in the fox head, and <laughs> I'm like, I just spent twenty grand. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't.
0: It's the most I've ever laughed <laughs> on this podcast.
1: <laughs> it, uh, so the ape has to go live in the fox head. Yeah, it didn't. It wasn't there. I went to go look, and I what? was like. I'm like, what the fuck did I just lose twenty grand? It you turns out you have to one? Like,
0: the ape is gone from my <laughs> fox head.
1: Go for it. You have to you have to like restart your computer twice and reload Chrome. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> like um, so but with this, oh, also by the time I got the ape, it wasn't even good to get into Ape Fest because you had to go through this whole separate process to prove your ownership. Like the fox head wasn't good enough. Yeah. Luckily, I, luckily I had a friend who uh was willing to, to take me in. Um, so, <laughs> oh, okay.
0: After all, after I, all that is just a guy goes, yeah, I can get you on the
1: list. A lot of problems with the ape thing revealed themselves immediately. So like, I was trying to get into the spirit of it. So I texted my friends and my mom and sent them a picture of my new mutant ape, who was like, I he was uh, had kind of a melty face and his sweater was made of maggots and he was smoking a pipe. And... Uh. Uh, I, so I, I sent this to my mom, and she's an English teacher in the Boston suburbs, and she immediately just sent the picture back to me, And she's like, "This is my mutant ape." And I huh? was like, "Dear mom, you will never own this ape. <laughs> Only I own it." Yeah. Uh,
0: she was like, "I have the picture too, dumbass. You sent it to me, and now it's on my computer.
1: I'm like, for for very, very important blockchain reasons, this is my ape. But it would take me a really long time to explain why it's mine and not yours. So just like, get out of here. Then I at ApeFest, everybody's got apes. So they're not impressed either. They're all just <laughs> saying, like... Keep going. They just think that, like... They're like, this is the worst ape we ever saw. That looks like an <laughs> ape that cost twenty grand. My ape cost five hundred grand. Did like, you ever you're a meet, loser?
0: Did you ever meet a single person who was impressed by the ape?
1: They do this kind of love bombing thing where people mm. would be like, "Yo, bro, welcome to the club." But I could tell what they really thought. I could yeah. tell they didn't. They were not impressed by my mutant. And I tried <laughs> to parlay this into. Uh, I wanted to get. I wanted to get an interview with the 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 elusive founders of the Bored Ape Yacht Club who were like, by that time, probably billionaires. And so I yeah. found him at the party. I showed him my ape and I was like, hey, I'm in the club, can I get an interview? And they're like, nah. Then uh, I did, I heard uh, Snoop, it was a pretty good party, albeit like 90% bros who are really wasted, but yeah. uh, Snoop did perform. Whoa, and Snoop ape. Oh yeah, he had he brought he had his Snoop Ape. His Snoop Whoa. Ape was was dancing. Snoop Ape was humping people. Um, wait, it,
0: wait, it came into the, our physical reality.
1: I mean, it was a guy wearing a head <laughs> with a okay. Snoop Ape head on it. But
0: okay, he okay. actually,
1: I, I I don't think he got enough. Uh, people didn't criticize him enough for this. He performed a song, an original song. The chorus was that Dogecoin was stupid and that you should buy you should buy ape coin the official currency of the board apes
0: <laughs> the snoop Dogg, snoop dog the rapper the one who's friends with martha stewart he he performed a rap song about how dogecoin is stupid and you should buy board ape yacht club
1: yeah ape eminem Coy. eminem showed up wow he he did not rap he just like flipped everyone off and hit play on his music video. <laughs> um, it, Amy, Amy Schumer did a set that people didn't like, uh, but she had. Uh, <laughs> 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 Why, of
0: Why? Why? Why all the people, to have? <laughs> of course the board yacht club audience are not Amy Schumer fans. Wonderful comedian. My God. Yes.
1: Well, she had a, She had a really good joke about them, and oh, what was like, it? Yeah, she surveyed the crowd, and she's like, "She's like, I don't even really know what, what NFT stands for, but looking out at all of you, I'm maybe is it is it not fucking tonight? Ah, and yes, oh, yes, Amy. Uh, yeah, they didn't like that. Um, love her, and I did. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, what, he did show up, I saw oh. him there, and. He was kind of in the back, in the VIP, um, but I was able to, you know, walk past his guards and flash my mutant ape to him. He, he, he looked at he looked at my mutant ape, like, pretty, was like, pretty oh, politely. oh, wow, so
0: cool, yeah, yeah, oh, wow, wow, that's an ape, <laughs> I have an ape, you have an ape, oh, whoa. oh, it was so great to meet you, it's so great to
1: meet you. I, I didn't get, like, the full Jimmy Fallon, but I don't blame him, I'm sure, like, celebrities get really annoyed with randos just walking up to them all the time. Well, you're in the um, club
0: though. He has to be nice. You're in the club. Just like Paris Hilton.
1: Well, that's true because he, when I said like, I was like, Jimmy, um, at this point, the price of apes had dropped. So like anyone who was there just lost like, you know, at least 20 grand, a hundred grand, unless they bought their ape like the day before. God. And I'm like, Jimmy, these people, like you are actually pretty influential. Many of these people might have bought the ape because I saw it on your show. Now they've lost like real money. Uh, What do you think (laughs) about that? And uh, he was just like.
0: You're my hero. You're my hero.
1: He said, I I did it for the community. I did it for the community. It's like a cool art project. Not like I'm not, you know, making investments. And I thought, you know, easy for you to say a couple hundred grand isn't an investment. Mm -hmm. But like some of these people, it represents like their biggest asset. Um, so I, I was able to sell my ape. I got rid of it as soon as I could. I lost like $2,000, but I was so happy. Yeah. I just, because once I had it, I knew intellectually that like these other people did buy and sell these, they traded regularly, but I also had this feeling like I'm the last idiot that will ever buy one of these. Like no one will buy it from me. Yes. Uh, But someone did. Then yes. I felt bad about that,
0: right? Because now this person maybe that's the final sucker, and you left them holding. It. It's it's literally a game of hot potato, like who gets who gets left holding the bag of shit.
1: Uh, amazingly, I looked it up. You, these these apes still, even the mutant apes, even after all this huge crash, they still go for uh, eight grand.
0: Wow. Uh, so you it, it lost a bunch of money, but like people are still well, holding out hope. What were they at their height though?
1: The mutant, so eight grand for a mutant, those got, I think, as high as 60. And like the board apes, Bieber paid supposedly like one or two million dollars. The rare ones were going for like that much. Now you can get like the lowest priced board apes for, they're still like 50. Wow. But I, I want to know who's, who's buying in now. Yeah. Um, because I think they're overlooking, I mean, kind of questionable whether this was ever cool but also like an investment that's dependent on something maintaining its coolness just doesn't seem like a good idea to me.
0: Right, I mean like, you know, uh, Obey Giant, like the Shepard Fairey stuff is like, that had a moments where it was cool, but if you bought stock in a literal, one of those Obey Giant drawings, you'd be stupid because like, it's a fad, it's a trend. It's it's just a, a way, you know, something that some people at one point thought in time looked cool, it's it's immediately disposable.
1: And yeah, and like the worst thing is that once you, if you had bought stock in Obey Giant, then you'd be like tied to it and you'd have to be pretending like it was so cool and tweeting about it all the time. Right. And like even, you, you're you like committed to this joke now and you're just like, let's all laugh at this joke really hard and hopefully it'll make us rich.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, well, let's talk a little bit about the crash itself. I mean, people, have lost so much money on crypto. You said 25% maybe of Americans bought into it. That number sounds insane to me when you think about how many old people there are in America, (laughs) because if you just talk about people over 65, that is a huge portion of the population. And then also people under 20. So I'm like a little bit, how do you get to, how do you get to one in four? But even if it's one in eight or one in 10, it's still a massive number. Um, uh, And You know, crypto eventually had so much mainstream energy pouring, despite this ridiculous scene you told us about, crypto had so much mainstream energy pouring in, famously advertised during the Super Bowl, multiple sports arenas were named after crypto companies, you know, you had like major companies doing, you know, major banks doing ads about how they're going to leverage the blockchain and all this shit. It really seemed for a moment like it was here to stay, and now it's fucking gone go on bloomberg.com or the wall street journal or any of them you will not see a single crypto article except about what a disaster it was nobody is following this anymore no one no one anymore thinks that it's something you're going to make a lot of money off of so what happened to all of the people who bought into it you know
1: i mean that's the sad part because we love these great these stories about like the overnight wealth but one of the things i did for the book was one of the earliest crypto manias was in the philippines Mm. and the whole country went wild for this crypto game called axie infinity i heard about this yeah they were treating it like basically you had to it was a form of an nft but the nfts were little monsters that you could play this pokemon-ish game with and people were playing it like it was their job like whole families were just sitting around playing axie on their phone and earning these things called smooth love potions
0: God and, damn
1: it! Yeah, the price was good for it was good while it was gaining followers. It got up to like more than a million people in the Philippines, but then of course it all crashed. And so I went out there. I spoke with people who had you know got into serious debt to buy their crypto monsters to play this game, and now had this was like a real setback in their life. Like I spoke yeah. with one couple; they were talking about leaving their children with their in laws and moving to Dubai. So they could work their way out of uh, the losses that they that they took wow. on this game, yeah. Um, and right, this is like one of the most insane parts of it. So the crypto guys, they loved Axie. They talked this up. They were like, Axie Infinity is the future. I remember seeing of articles about.
0: I remember seeing articles about this. Like a friend of mine who is a big crypto booster sent me an article saying, Oh, Axie Infinity is the fastest growing game in history, and it's so great. And in fact, it's really popular in the Philippines. And people, in the Philippines, are making real money off of it, and it's so good for everybody. And then six months later, it was done.
1: Yes. And just like rubbing salt in the wound, Axie got got hacked. A lot of the money that they'd made got stolen. And the US government has determined the hackers were. The North Koreans. Wow, and they, they made off with six hundred million dollars, and wow. it's funding it's funding nuclear weapons development for Kim oh, Jong Un. Damn yeah, it!
0: So like, see, now say what you will about Pokemon or Animal Crossing, <laughs> but it's not funding nuclear weapons, weapons development. Okay, and that's the, Nintendo's promise: is that <laughs> they don't use they don't do that shit. Please go on.
1: <laughs> yeah, so the crypto bros were just oblivious to like all the harm they were causing to people around the world. And it was like regular people in the US who put the money, invested the money that they thought you know, they were saving to buy a house. It was people in the, in the Philippines. And another one that crypto guys love to talk about was El Salvador. This uh-huh. was the, the, the president of El Salvador became a Bitcoin bro. And he announced at that first conference I went to, this was like one of the weirdest moments There was this guy on stage, like a kid with uh, in a hoodie who is just like pacing around, cursing like stereotypical crypto bro. Then he's announcing he's like announcing that El Salvador has adopted Bitcoin as an official currency. And the president appears via Zoom and he's like, yes, we will make Bitcoin our currency in of El Salvador. And all the guy, the Bitcoin guy on stage is crying. The people in the audience are crying. And I'm just like, what is going on? And they, so they talked about this as like a real success yeah. story. So I, I decided to go down there and check it out. My, this happened a lot in crypto. My expectations were pretty low. Like I'd already heard it wasn't working out that great. But then I got there and I'm like, oh, it's way worse than people said. Like literally no one likes Bitcoin. People just sort <laughs> of uh, like when it, it was a law. of the restaurants in every place is supposed to accept Bitcoin. But one of the first places I tried to use it, and I when I said to the bodega clerk, quiero pagar con Bitcoin, por favor? He mm-hmm. literally took the bottle of water out of my hand and was just like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> and,
0: and this was, wasn't it like El, El Salvador like gave everybody a crypto wallet and like put Bitcoin in it that you could use? But I, I think I remember reading, people would just like, cash out the free bitcoin and then never use it again
1: yeah everyone got 30 bucks which was pretty cool and everyone liked that and they just uh but
0: yeah everyone got a free pizza it was great sure
1: yeah and i i actually met a guy who ran a pizzeria and he was he offered to give people pizza for the 30 bucks and he sold a lot of pizzas that first month right It was the kind of thing where like, nobody really knew how to get the 30 bucks. So you're like calling your cousin who says he knows how to get the 30 bucks. And you're like, I'll let you if you could be 20, you can do it. Take my phone. Yeah. Like, so like for a month, everyone did get 30 bucks and they liked that. But then uh, the Bitcoin was just like something they had to accept. And you know, if they saw, I mean, it was embarrassing for me because I'm like, trying to say, I'm, I'm not one of these crypto bros, but like, just for journalistic purposes, can you pull out the Bitcoin machine? And
0: mm-hmm. they're like,
1: oh, like, do we have to? Um, <laughs> they'd, be like, they'd be like, it's a, oh, the manager's gone. Like he has, it, he, it's in the closet. He locked it. Like yeah. nobody wanted to so, to take Bitcoin. So it's basically very slow. What,
0: So basically what you're saying is, I remember when there first started to be like convenience stores that would have a Bitcoin ATM. And like, in reality, nobody was using the Bitcoin ATM. It was just placed there by some Bitcoin booster who wanted you to think that Bitcoin was being used by people. But if you actually went and said, could I use the Bitcoin ATM? They'd be like, I don't know how to do this. Like, it's not going to work. And that was basically the entire country of El Salvador was a fake Bitcoin ATM <laughs> set up by Bitcoin bros. Is that what you're telling me?
1: Yes. It was like okay. the best ad for Bitcoin. They're yeah. like, yeah. Um, and they had, I, I mean, they, did, they put in the ATMs and they were guarded by, like legit teams of soldiers, 24 hours a day. (laughs) it! you have this like Bitcoin ATM that nobody uses. Oh, and they plopped them in like, it was really offensive, honestly. Like they're plopped in the center of like the town, every town's plaza, like prime real estate where people go to hang out where you'd have like little markets. Now there's like this giant Bitcoin ATM lit up in neon in the middle of each one guarded by like five soldiers. And you can sit there for like an hour. You won't see anybody use it. Wow.
0: Look, as somebody who knows the Bitcoin landscape better than anybody, or sorry, the crypto landscape generally, did you ever find a single authentic, legitimate use case that people where people were using blockchain to do something interesting and useful at all?
1: so i I did find one use. Oh, it was not It was not good.
0: Okay. Um,
1: but it did I did see the appeal finally. And this was, um, I learned that Tether, the coin that I set out to investigate, was really popular for people running online scams. Oh, okay. you ever get like one of those text messages that's just like, hey, Bill, did you get the cat food on your way home?
0: Yeah. Uh, like uh-huh, it's just random uh-huh. like spam. Yeah. yeah
1: so if you, pl- if you play along, they will eventually try to be your friend, then try to get you to trade crypto with them and they'll eventually ask you to send tether uh-huh. and people they find people who send huge amounts like 100 grand 200 grand a million dollars and Wh- i found uh,
0: how do they even find people who, who know how to use tether to begin with
1: they'll teach you they'll teach you how to oh, okay. do it they're going for okay. the people that don't know how and so i see but this is this is like serious people that i talked to who researched this said it like this accounts for billions of dollars of of crypto use and wow. the, but the The really dark part is that I found out that these messages mostly originate in Cambodia and there's, in Myanmar, there's huge office towers where there's just floor after floor of people working around the clock, armed with like phones with fake accounts, sending these spam messages. Wow. these These people themselves, they're tricked into coming there with like an offer of a good job. Once they get there, they're like, no, get to scamming. If you don't do it, we'll beat you. We'll shock you with an electric baton. We'll torture you. Oh, my and God. You can't, you can't leave unless you pay a ransom. And wow, you like I know. This, it sounds like a kind of conspiracy theory. I didn't really believe it myself when I heard it. But um, in the book I talk about, uh, I went to Cambodia and teamed up with a couple of the top reporters in the country to see some of these scam compounds for myself and investigate how they use crypto. Um, And more recently, the United Nations estimated that um, more than 100,000 people have been victimized in this way and work in these scam compounds. And it's some of like, I spoke with people who escaped. These are like extremely scary places run by Chinese gangsters. But for them... Crypto is awesome because some like little old lady in Iowa, you know, if they get her to zap them some tethers that there's no refunds, those tethers just go over to the gangsters account right. instantly. It's, right. you know,
0: it works internationally. There's no laws governing it. They would literally have to like go to China to get the money back or go to Cambodia to get the money back.
1: Uh, yeah. And, and good luck over there. Cause these guys are like in good with the government. Um, yeah. They operate with like almost impunity.
0: So, what you're telling me is that the main use for crypto so far is scamming and literal human trafficking. These are people who are being forced to work against their will.
1: Yeah, I mean, that might be going a little far, like I think honestly, the main use is gambling. the okay. main use is like the main use is like, hey, let's go buy some Dogecoin and maybe it'll go up. you right. know like right. that, I think, is at the at the heart of the market, and I had yep. this moment when um things kind of came full circle for me. So Sam Bankman-Fried, we haven't talked about that much, but he's one of the main characters in the book. And I was with him. We're in his penthouse just before the... A couple of days before the cops showed up to arrest him for this big scam. And we're talking about his rise to power. And... I find out he had this image as being like sort of the genius who had it all figured out, who wasn't like some crazy gambler. Mm -hmm. And he tells me that actually at the peak of the bubble, just a few months earlier, he was actually worth a hundred billion dollars on paper because he had been buying so many of these random made up coins and like making them up himself. Um, Even the guy who is like treated as the smartest person in crypto was basically just effectively buy dogecoin and like hoping that it went to the moon and like <laughs> and he it, that literally was one of his strategies like his hedge fund bought dogecoin based on the timing of Elon Musk's tweets
0: that's insane that's like finding out Warren Buffett is just going like yeah, I just uh bet a billion on the bucks. Um, you know, just like and that's and that's how what's your financial plan? Yeah, I uh, roulette, I guess. Like it's insane to uh to, to think that again, th- this guy was called the sm- one of the smartest financial whizzes of his generation. He was the Mark Zuckerberg of crypto and uh that's what he was doing. Um, I mean, now that all of the chickens have come home to roost on crypto and you know, all, people like SBF um you know sbf is in jail right now uh, the people who run the other big financial uh, crypto exchanges are like on the run from the from law enforcement so many people have gone to jail so much money has been lost is there any future in this technology or you know quote unquote community at all or is it is it just like you know fun to put, pick through the wreckage and like look at what blew up and and uh you know with with apologies to those who were hurt by it
1: Bitcoin is as old as Uber. It's as old as WhatsApp. And like those are apps that now have become verbs. Like we use them so much. Right. And crypto has come up with nothing that any regular people use for pretty much any reason. Right. Other than gambling. And when it comes to gambling, like the biggest casino, FTX, or the, has been revealed to be like a giant scam. So it's hard for me to imagine anything good coming of crypto with the caveat that so many smart people have spent so long working on this. Like you have to imagine eventually they'll come up with something. Yeah. Um, But I'm just glad that they gave us this crazy bubble to uh, for me to like. I'm just glad that I was there for this crazy bubble. (laughs) Um, it was like, uh, I don't think we'll ever see anything like it again.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, I think what it did give us was the stories that you told us in the book that you wrote, which sounds fascinating. Uh, You know, I'd leave it there, but I I just wanted to ask you one final question. What, what in your view is what finally killed it? I mean, the drop was so precipitous, right? From Larry David and Matt Damon uh, in the Super Bowl ads to today, like, was there, uh, you know, what, what caused the scales to fall from people's eyes and, and for the truth to finally uh, be known about this.
1: You know, it's, it's like you said before, like the, when the number number go up uh, is just like the, as a description of a pyramid scheme. And eventually like people aren't going to come in, the price won't go up. And once the price starts falling, then people are jumping off the bandwagon, you know, as quick as they jumped on. Mm-hmm. And so that's basically what happened last summer with the fall of Terra. And that like set off a total like, set of dominoes in the crypto world, which finally led to the failure of FTX. But it wasn't like, oh, like some rogue operator did in crypto, or it wasn't anything that complicated. It just took people, for some reason, pulling their money from that Terra Ponzi scheme, and that set off the whole collapse.
0: Do you think it's possible for us to learn anything from this? Because, I mean, look, I wish I could say that we'd be more critical in the future. But even as this was happening, a lot of people were saying this is a pyramid scheme. This is a Ponzi scheme. And most people did not listen. And we got in this position anyway, where so many people put their money into this system and then lost it. Um, and you, you know the the assholes who started it profited massively. some of them went to prison, but some, as you say, are still billionaires. So is there any defense mechanism that we can build against this happening again in the future, or are we just doomed to repeat this cycle every time there's new some some new tech buzzword?
1: It's a good question. I think that uh it's not like we need some new law to defend against this. So many of the things that people are doing broke the rules that have been around for a hundred years that require companies to be honest in their disclosures to investors. And I'm just hopeful that people will be on notice now that you can't break those rules. And the next uh, hot startup that comes around, they will uh, behave more honorably. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it, like, it's, hard, it's hard to know. It's hard, there's always another bubble.
0: Well, and the next time there is a bubble, I hope you'll dive into it and get the story and come back and tell us about it because it has been so entertaining talking to you and hearing about the truth of, of the Fedora Yacht and the Board 8 Yacht, board eight yacht Club Party. <laughs> Zeke Fox, I can't thank you enough for being here. The name of the book is Number Go Up. You can get it at our special bookshop, factuallypod.com slash books. Where else can people find your uh, your work, Zeke?
1: Um, You can follow me on Twitter at Zeke Fox. Hell
0: yeah. Zeke, thank you so much for coming on. I hope you'll be back
1: in the future. Thank you, Adam. That was really fun.
0: Well, thank you once again to Zeke Fox for coming on the show. I hope you loved that conversation as much as I did. If you want to check out his book, head to factuallypod.com books, and you'll be able to support not just your local bookstore, but this podcast as well. If you want to support the show directly, head to patreon.com slash adamcon over five bucks a month gets you every episode of the show ad free for 15 bucks a month. I will read your name on this very podcast and put it in the credits of my YouTube monologues. This week, I want to thank Alex Sol, Chris Rezek, and Nara Niles, our most recent $15 a month subscribers. Thank you so much for your support. I want to thank our producers, Sam Rodman and Tony Wilson, everybody here at HeadGum for making the show possible. If you want to see me, do stand up on the road. Head to adamconover.net for my tickets and tour dates. In October, I am heading to Providence, Rhode Island, and St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm going to be going to very, 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 very many other cities soon, so check that website for all the upcoming tickets and tour dates. Sorry, I'm losing my mind here at the end of the outro, so I'll just wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Factually.